Oh, hey, Alice. Thanks for stopping by. We got some very powerful guests in the house this evening. We got Michael and Emily from Taxiway. Thanks for being here. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Alice. We, uh, we've been, we're, we're both got busy schedules and we've both trying to make this happen for a while and I'm glad we were able to finally do it. Um, me too, me too. Yeah. Thank you for being patient with us with yeah. our oh, yeah. release schedule and all that. You know, we, uh, uh, we really have been trying to make this happen for a while and I know it just hasn't come to fruition, but really thank you for, for sticking with us and, and, <laughs> and making this happen. Uh, no problem at all. Um, yeah, I, I understand. I'm, I'm busy too, and I'm a really big fan of y'all. So uh, thank you. I'm a big fan of you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, Emily, you also have, are in a band called Miss Lonely. Have a show coming up on February seventh. That's right at Jolton Hardware. It's part of our. Um, if we're going to do a series, it's the first Wednesday of every month. Um, I know at least through May, maybe longer. Um, kind of featuring um, bands with. Um, either female fronted or non-binary performers to raise money for different things. Like I think this last show we were, I think we might be doing different ones every show, but it was a blast. We just did our first one and next one will be February 7th. Very nice. And then um, there's a taxiway show 25th of February. Uh, where yeah. That? yeah. That one's going to be at the East room and we're playing with Samantha Henson, one of our really good friends. She's based out of Sacramento and it's going to be coming to town for a while. And Great American Canyon Band, who I really dig their stuff. I haven't gotten to see them live, though. So we're really excited for that one. Oh, yeah. And then y'all have um, your first debut album out as well. That's available now. Mm -hmm. um, I'll put a link up to it in descriptions. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely go check that out. If you don't know about Taxiway, uh, it's it's very powerful music but it's also very simple it's tasteful uh and yeah i'm just i, I love seeing y'all perform it's um it's very intimate it's very like michael's a really great songwriter and um it's cool seeing stuff that's raw i get the same feel from dangerous method like joseph jared plays in taxiway um and like his music's also just very powerful very vulnerable uh, just as a human being, just yeah, very powerful and vulnerable. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, um, I really admire that about Joe uh, a lot. The fact that he's willing to be so vulnerable in his, in his music. I, I think that, um, in a lot of ways, he's he's more he's more raw and vulnerable on stage than I am. I actually like tend to put a wall up in both my songwriting and. Uh, stage persona but joe is just willing to just like just go for it and just just let that you know let the emotion just pour out of him in a way that's that's you know uh, like visceral and uh, i've admired him for a long time i've you know I, i'm i'm always really excited when i get to play in a band with joe and uh you know because he and i met when i was in blind tigers back at um we met at the springwater supper club and uh, on uh, September 17th, 2015, and uh, it's my first time seeing Dangerous Method and Blind Tiger's first show in Nashville. We didn't even have a drummer at the time. We were a two-piece, and, um, you know, I was just blown away by his songwriting from the get-go, like from the very first song. I mean, you know, Rory and I sat there and we're just like, holy shit, this guy's amazing, you know? <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah. So it's really cool that I get to be in a band with um, my wife and and with my best friends. You know, I mean, that's that's something I don't take for granted. It yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. And we started like we because when I joined the band, um, I replaced um, Kayla Singleton, who was the first drummer, who is awesome, like set very good groundwork for me, especially because I didn't know how to drum when I started drumming in the band. <laughs> but um and it was just me and um, Mike and Joe. And then we were practicing at Joe and Emily Jared's house a lot. And so we tricked Emily and Emily Jared. Into That's right. Emily, too. yeah. <laughs> Emily's also in taxi. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, you're here anyways. So don't let, don't let, her, don't let her hear this. Don't yeah. let her know that we tricked her, you know. <laughs> all, all, all. Wait, wait, I joined what band now? <laughs> I've tricked, <laughs> I've tricked Emily into doing several book clubs. Hit me up when you do a a, a a Hemingway book club or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't forgotten. We're we're gonna do uh, the Man by the Sea. Is that what it's called? Old Man by the Sea. The yeah. Old Man in the Sea. Yeah, that's the one. I've got it on my list. That's one yeah. you recommended. Uh, what my plan is with that is well because it's a short story um i want to do that and curate a couple more short stories um, mm -hmm. um but yeah we'll do that soon for sure it's um, it's, a, it's it's like a it's a novelette so it's a bit okay. longer than a short story per se but it doesn't have any chapters and I, I i actually have read it the last time i read it i was on the beach and i read it in like one day i, I mean you can read it in uh, probably two or three hours. There's there's a really great audiobook of Charlton Heston reading uh, The Old Man of the Sea, and it's he has the perfect Hemingway voice. I mean, you know, he he has that Santiago voice, that like old man kind of <laughs> kind of you know grit to him, you know. And so it's such a it's somehow soothing yet also anxiety inducing. It's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The best. Actually, I didn't. I, didn't, I, I was thinking this was like two or three pages. I didn't realize that. So, okay, cool. Yeah. We might be able to, yeah, we'll just do that as a standalone then. That's yeah, it, it's still, it's still a very uh, quick and digestible book. Like it's, it's almost, it's kind of minimalist in its narrative, you know, because like I said, there's no chapters. Uh, I read somewhere that there's, there's only in the entire text, there's only one exclamation point. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's just very, that's his writing style. You know I mean? He was a, I mean, it's it's journalistic, you know, because he was a journalist with the Kansas City Star. He would report facts. He would just, you know, say like he was an old man who worked in a skiff and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it's very like neutral and st and stoic in its storytelling. It doesn't it tells you what's happening. It doesn't tell you how to feel about it. And yeah, and, uh, spoil the ending. <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything. I'm not spoiling the ending for sure. But but it is still a very quick and digestible book, more so than like for whom the bell tolls, which is a, a much denser, oh, longer book. I love for whom the bell tolls. I love that song, dude. Well, it's also a great novel, but it's it's a much longer read, and it does drag a little bit in the middle section. Um, the novel, not the song. Um, <laughs> Songs but, but, uh, but it's a denser yeah. read, sure, but still very, very much worth your time. I very cool yeah I'll make I'll make sure that's the first Hemingway we do um here in the upcoming months mm -hmm. I I actually really love that style um I I'm not a big fan of when authors paint a picture for you mm -hmm. um, I think less is more a lot of the time yes um, that's very much like my style of writing as well is I try not to 
hang on things for too long. Like I'm reading this book right now, uh, Perfume, uh, uh, Story of a Murderer. And it's, I've heard of that. I've never read it. yeah. it's really good. That's what we're doing for the book club right now. Um, but it, it is really good. But it's also like, it's a it's set in France and it's um, a German author. And I feel like, and it, like, it's about scent. Like it's about this guy who's, uh, very like suit like supernaturally uh, like um like his olfactory senses are like on next level like beyond human ability basically oh, okay. he's like the rat from ratatouille yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so there's a lot of describing scent there's a lot of like like going yeah. into detail on it and it, it's not bad it's just not I, that's a pet peeve I have. I like I like the more cut and dry. This is how it is kind of authors. Flowery language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I've spite read a book once that was just too drawn out, but it was because the there was an introduction to it. It was it was Nightwood by Dejuna Barnes, and I was like, oh, it's a classic. I'll read it. And then the introduction, I forget who wrote it, but they just said something like most people don't get this book and it's brilliant blah 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 and it was kind of condescending and it pissed me off a bit and then I started it and I hated it but I couldn't stop because I had to prove the intro person wrong <laughs> Neil Gaiman no no Neil Gaiman would never write that <laughs> Dude, the author negged you in <laughs> it was somebody whose opinion you take seriously and like I don't know I think I blocked it from my mind but it was not Neil Gaiman <laughs> whoever it was so you know wrong apparently I yes. never I've never read it but, but yeah I've never read a book out of spite before that but yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh even if it was good like you're just not gonna like it if you're yeah, going yeah I'm going into it thinking yeah. you're so man. <laughs> yeah I feel like you know that's uh I feel like that almost happens a lot with like overhyping and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. like something gets overhyped and then there's the, there's the knee jerk reaction to dislike it because it's so popular. Like, um, you yeah. know, a lot of, uh, I, I can, I can speak much more to music about that than I can literature, but like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that hate turnstile I've noticed. And, uh, and I, I just think they're one of the best bands that I've seen very recently, but but uh, but man, like traditional hardcore fans, like they do not like Turnstile at all. And it's like, no, I think they made it because they're good. Actually, I think they made it they're actually a good band. I don't think there's a like a like a conspiracy behind it. I think they actually were just good and worked hard. And, like, you know, you know. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a few like that. Like um, like Sleep Token gets a lot of hate just for being uh, poppy, and it's like. It is more accessible for sure, but yeah. like uh, I don't really think there's anything wrong with that, and I don't yeah. think, yeah. yeah, and it also isn't necessarily them, you know, like selling out. Just, just right. it happens to be accessible, you know. Yeah, that's my thing. Like, if what you're doing is it's from you and it's true, and that it happens to be accessible or something, but that's what I don't yeah. know if it's true to you, then I'm like, cool, Godspeed. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, selling out is often a phrase that's used ubiquitously with like becoming famous or becoming successful or something. But I mean, that's that's not selling out. I'll tell you what selling out is. Selling out is when Good Charlotte did an ad for PETA 
and then like two years later did an Australian KFC commercial. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. That was yeah. selling out. I was so that, so that's hilarious. I was yeah. so into Good Charlotte. Uh, that that was like with you know with uh, like Yellow Card and My Chemical Romance. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That, that was shit. That was yeah. jam. I remember like Yellow Card and AFI and uh, Newfound mm -hmm. Glory being on MTV All Things Rock. Oh, yeah. and I used to have to record it onto VHS. <laughs> showing my age here a little bit but record <laughs> it on VHS because it would play at like one or two in the morning and then I'd come home from eighth grade you know and and just like oh I wonder what videos they showed last night you know but <laughs> and I'd play and it would be you know uh headstrong you know yeah like like the like butt rock mixed with you know uh afi silver and cold like oh that, that's a great music video right there you know or yeah you know i remember when i think i was like i don't know middle school maybe and one of my best friends was and i i love my chemical romance but she like really loved them i was i was obsessed with the white stripes still am if i'm being honest with myself like, <laughs> obsessed but um she was one of the she got um i guess it was tivo back then mm -hmm. she had tivo, tivo before anybody else i knew did and could record the videos on there so i'd go over to her house and i'd make her watch a white stripes video with me and then she'd have her turn and play my chemical romance it was like a back and forth <laughs> And you All know, good you know who it. opened for my chemical romance. Turn so, yeah, yeah. so we didn't plan that. Yeah, <laughs> full circle. I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I, I still big like my chemical romance is huge for me even now. Um, it's I don't know. Like I'll listen. They're like two of their albums that I'll I'll still put on in the car. What have y'all been listening to in like the last week? I've been listening. I feel like I've been listening to a lot of local band local bands lately which like I'm not saying that just to sound like oh I support the scene but it's just kind of <laughs> I think with the I think with the album coming out recently I've just been in the zone like I've been listening I've I've really loved um the Justin the Cosmics album that came mm -hmm. out this past year that's been on repeat quite a bit um for our the Taxi Waverly show we played with um LB Bystead and Shlomo Franklin and ever since then I've just been there on repeat for me a yeah, bit. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're really good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to relive the good memory, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Their, their recordings that they have streaming are, are excellent. Yeah. And, and Justin's record is, is fantastic, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, and then lots of Sparks. I'm always listening to Sparks. They have so many albums in their discography that there's always something that yeah. I either haven't heard or I've forgotten about. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They have such a deep discography. Yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to local too. Yeah, yeah. I listen to, I listen to a lot of Krungbin, like when I'm trying to zone in and focus and 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 all that. It's like someone on some comment referred to them as lava lamp music. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I love that. Like that's pretty cool. I, I yeah, that that's cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. You know, but it's just so cool that they're like a, you know, they've always been a three piece and they are a little bit rockabilly and a little bit hip-hop and a little mm -hmm. bit funk and you know um like it, it's like lo-fi beats but it's guitar bass and drums you know it's it's yeah. really cool mm -hmm. it's great for just sort of like when you need to focus and when you need to make yeah. a branch up for a little while and then you know and all of that um, I know what you mean that's its own genre of music like so a lot of my favorite stuff I can't listen to while I'm doing other shit like it's 
Like mm-hmm. you can't passively listen. You have to actively listen with certain stuff. It like grabs your attention where there's good, like, yeah, music that you can like get other shit done and like still have um, a soundtrack to what you're doing is, yeah. is really useful. I feel like my brain is kind of weird because I think that that is probably the best way to do things. But sometimes I find when I'm stressed and trying to tune in, like I just listen to the most out there kind of dissonant stuff, like um, anything with by Mika Levy, like Mika Chew in the Shapes, Good, Bad, Happy, Sad, or um, what what else? Just once I was working and found myself listening to the soundtrack from the movie Pearl, which is, <laughs> I was having a really bad day. Yeah. <laughs> just things that, awesome. that I'm like, this doesn't seem conducive to work, but it's getting me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, I was, I was diagnosed as ADD when I was 15. And interestingly, I was diagnosed as ADD, not ADHD. Uh, so they left the hyperactive part out, which is accurate. You know, I wasn't getting into fights or anything. I was just daydreaming. Um, but uh, I I found that uh, listening to like uh, repetitive uh, ambient music or or listening to trip hop and stuff would help me focus on my work, especially in college, like especially, uh, you know, when I was at MTSU. And so I would listen to uh, like biosphere or global communication or uh, air or something like that. A lot of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross soundtracks, you know, I would listen to those. And after that, I, I just became so enthralled by that by that sound, by those atmospherics, even though I could not play synthesizer to save my life, um, <laughs> that I, I guess I was just too lazy to try to learn to play synthesizer or try to learn to play keyboards better. So I was, I started trying to recreate those sounds with guitar, you know? And so a lot of what you hear on taxiway recordings, uh, a lot of folks have commented on how much they love the synth. And I'm like, there's, there's no synth. Yeah. Any, any taxiway recording it is all guitar you know it's it's me tweaking the knobs or or the volume pedal in such a way to emulate the sound of like a you know like um um a synthesizer you know an analog synthesizer mm-hmm. uh, but it is all guitar and uh, i'm not saying there will never be synthesizer on a taxiway recording but as what's been recorded now absence and new and this is permanent like it's all it's all guitar if enough people think it's synthesizer, does it become synthesizer? <laughs> you know, no. Synthesizer of Theseus. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do a lot of cool ambient stuff with guitar. Uh, it, it is interesting. I could definitely see someone come to that conclusion, like, if, especially if they hadn't seen you play live a bunch. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this is a synth. <laughs> yeah 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 thank you I, I i pride myself on that a bit but also like you know i was in songwriting courses at mtsu and i always loved um you know uh bruce springsteen and and uh bob Seger and johnny cash and whatnot you know i liked uh songs i liked lyrics and songs and melodies and emotions and stuff you know and so um i never just wanted to make ambient music I wanted to write songs too so you know Taxiway is kind of a an attempt at 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 finding the 
you know, the place where the Venn diagram overlaps between those two sounds, you know. If I may ask, who are some of your favorite songwriters? Uh, I would say, uh, well, I just mentioned Bruce Springsteen, who I love dearly. I, I would mention Tom Waits. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I love Tom Waits as a songwriter. I do. I love Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, and he's got some soul crushing ballads and he's got some carnival barker music too, yeah. as well. You know, like, um, very, I've very always wanted to, like, uh, I've always wanted to do some cover of uh, Christmas card from a hooker mm -hmm. in Minneapolis. We should. You know, we're we'll like, I don't even, I don't even play. I just stand there with a whiskey in my hand and just sort of like recite it. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. maybe you know, maybe Joe can play guitar or, guitar or something yeah. like that. You know, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, I I grew up listening to Harry Chapin. I just love the stories that he created. He was brilliant. Gone much too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Nico Case, she's one of my favorite songwriters and vocalists. Just ugh, brilliant. Nick Cave, I love the duality of Nick oh, Cave. Yeah. Like, I don't know some of his. He's awesome. Like, yeah, if you look at like murder ballads, that's the same guy that did that did, you know, and no more shall we power the boatman's call. It's well, just, it's oh, yeah, good, yeah, it's just insane. The it's like a different artist. And I, I think I like artists like that where they're you just see so many different sides of their mind come out through their music and their work. Yeah. Yeah. I think like uh it's really cool that y'all released an album because the album is a dying art, you know? And mm -hmm. I think this speaks to what you were saying about like artists being versatile. It's yeah. like this album, like if you go back, you know, it's like historically, it's like this album sounds a certain way. And this album has a certain sound to it. But like the artist isn't as e easy to like pin down. Whereas yeah. now, because everything is, and I'm not faulting anyone for doing it, like releasing singles, like that's how people are, you know, getting traction and like making money. Yeah. So, um, by getting their name out there, getting on the playlists and stuff. But it is sad though, because I love, I love the album, like listening to it from yeah. start to finish. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think when you don't do the album thing, when you just release singles that eventually are on albums right it's yeah uh, it's like this band has a sound that they have like they, yeah they kind of put themselves in that box I guess I do yeah and I do love that and I think that was a big that was definitely a major thought behind this album too even with the title of it you know <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was very much an attempt at like um you know expressing like expressing an i you know an idea that should exist in album form you know so these songs are not picked out at random you know and the approach to the recording was was uh to tie these songs together sonically and you know energetically and um you know there's 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 definitely a a deliberate thought behind that like it's not an it's not a a concept album per se but you know, I, I wanted a, uh, like, I, I was thinking of Nashville and big cities in general and gentrification and, uh, you know, the inevitability of change in the world and, you know, walking back through areas of, of downtown that I used to hang out at all the time. And a lot of my favorite places after, uh, after the pandemic were, were gone. And a lot of places have been turned into 
it's such a cliche, right? But turn into hotels or or condos and whatnot, you know. And I just had this sort of like, you know, melancholy feeling feeling about it, you know, that uh, some of my my favorite places are still there, but maybe they won't be. Maybe I'll come back next year and they'll be gone too, you know. And there's there's really not anything that I can do to to prevent that. But this album, though, like this album, this is permanent. Like th this is permanent. Like this is this is unchanging. This will not be gentrified. This will not be taken away from me uh, or taken away from us as musicians. Like this just is what it is. And it represents this period of my life. And next album might sound totally different. And this album sounds pretty different from, you know, everything that I've recorded up until this point too. But like this, it's like a photograph, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a snapshot of an era of time but this is it. This is permanent. This is, this is live. You know, this will not be, you know, torn down by a crane and replaced with a, with a new sleek gentrified album, you know, <laughs> and that was the the thought process behind it. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with what you say about the album as well, about it being an art form. It feels, they feel, albums feel like time capsules to me. You can really just, because listening, I don't know, I mean, like, it's just, it sounds so simple, but it's just cool to think when you listen to I don't know, something recorded in 1924, you know, those people aren't alive anymore. They've probably been long gone, but you're just hearing what they were doing in a certain moment of time and it's recorded there. I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> understanding like the context of an album just brings it up so much too, you know? Yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah, it really does. And the intentionality behind it, and mm -hmm. especially if there is intentionality behind it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably things that we could have done in this studio that would have made the album more commercially viable or something. But, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to make a, a statement, you know, I wanted yeah. the album to be its own thing. And it's funny too. Cause I, I feel like it did, it definitely like captured a moment in time where like when we started recording it, I hadn't really worked in a studio before I'd been drumming less than a full year at that point. And then Joe had just switched from bass to baritone guitar. Emily Jarrett had just joined the band playing bass. So it like, it kind of caught caught us in moments where we were figuring out, I guess the dynamics of being in a band together. So it's, it is cool just to have that on record. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's decorating time, like you said. Yeah, yeah. It's it is, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else there is to do in life. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's half the fun of it, isn't it? Just, yeah. <laughs> it's like the only thing to do is like, in inhale as much good art as you can, and like food, you know. Yeah. And like, yeah. And like connection, like those are all good things. Yeah. But yeah. like. Like if you're not making art, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's that's Strummer's Law. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've ever heard that concept before, but Strummer's Law, named after Joe Strummer. And uh, you know, no input, no output is, you know, that's what he oh, said. Wow. So, you know, you have to immerse yourself with things that inspire you, you know. Mm -hmm. And even if you're a musician, it doesn't have to be music, it can be film, it can be, you know, books, it can be poetry it can be you know paintings or photography whatever but the theater yeah you you just have to like you have to immerse yourself with it yeah. in order to be creatively inspired and if you don't then you find yourself stuck in a rut you know and you you um 
you know, then you have no output. You know, you're not you're not putting anything out there into the world, you know, for other people to be inspired by. So on that, what are some big inspirations for you both that are not musical? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Yeah. So I I I love um I love photography. Uh, I am not a photographer. I don't have any photography skill or anything like that. But I love photography and I love film. Um, and, you know, I know that there's this romanticized idea about, about film, and especially like 35 millimeter film and stuff like that. But my God, it just looks amazing. It just <laughs> does. Like, you know, there's just something about it. And so I I, I love the idea of uh, of of like you know capturing like capturing a mood mm. that's hard to pin down the, the like the, the best way i can think of to describe it is like is golden hour you know and uh and and other words would be like melancholy and whatnot like you know mm -hmm. like i would love I, I love trying to make the um musical guitar based drums equivalent of the way that the the movie lost in translation makes you feel you know yeah or yeah. or garden state you know like you know like like movies like that you know and um you know i don't i don't tend to write things that are particularly dark or um or or menacing or violent or anything like that anymore um <laughs> anymore yeah yeah You've written some good murder songs yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, sorry i don't want to derail you but i want to go back to something you said earlier because we were talking about joseph jared and how vulnerable he is oh yeah you, you were saying that you're not as vulnerable but i've seen i've seen taxiway a, a bunch of times and like i'm <laughs> you convey emotion very powerful well you thank do. you well like, thank you yeah the song about man i can't remember and forgive me, I can't remember the trap name of the song, but uh, talking about the the girl that's no good for you and everyone's telling you that. Oh, and, sweet Rosalita, I bet. Yes, right? yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That song fucking hits. Like, it, it's oh, powerful. Like, oh my God, at Bowery Vault when y'all played, that was incredible. Incredible. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. He, and in the end, he's getting catfished the whole time, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, but I mean, like that is that is I, I mean, that's coming from somewhere. Right. That's that's like that's that comes from a real place. And you you just know when you when you hear that, when you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I said that to say, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. You're an amazing songwriter and um, you, you are, you know, maybe we could all be more vulnerable, but you you convey emotion very powerfully. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I do appreciate you saying that. And and. Uh, and, and mentioning that yeah yeah um on a on a note about that song sweet rosalita i was i was trying to write the song uh blue spanish sky by chris isaac and if you don't know that song you should definitely look it up because it's it's a it's it's an amazing beautiful song and it's like that too it's very dark and sultry and minor key and all that um, I like how you said that you were trying to write that song <laughs> I was trying to write I was trying to capture that energy i was trying to capture i want to try to rip off the song um it's not a rip off the songs don't sound that similar but sure i know the, what you know yeah yeah, you know, yeah yeah it's trying to like capture that that mood and that vibe and um 
you know, and trying to like, uh, uh, wreck, like reckon with the feeling of, uh, how did I not see this all along? You know, how did I not see what was happening to me? You know, I, I got roped into this and, oh my God, I'm such an idiot, you know? <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I was, I was trying to, to capture that vibe, but I mean, it, it shouldn't, it's probably not coming as a surprise to anybody that I like you know, golden hour photography and I like <laughs> back lighting and um, <laughs> deserty imagery yeah. and, and things that are kind of vaguely Middle Easterny and uh, how do you, you know, take your coffee? Black. What was the what does agent what does agent cooper say in 20 black is black as midnight on a moonless night <laughs> yeah. Damn, have a coffee. i was wondering if i could trouble you for a cup of strong black coffee <laughs> <laughs> yes i drink my coffee very black um yes we know yeah. <laughs> oh we noticed we noticed black, black coffee drinkers are the vegans of coffee drinkers you know, they'll tell you <laughs> make sure if, in case you didn't hear <laughs> yeah totally i've been the i've been monopolizing this question though like what inspires you that's not music oh man i i get i get very interested in studying people I know that that maybe came out sounding creepy but like <laughs> not in a creepy way but studying. that's a really um like that's that's a really nice way of saying you're a stalker like, yeah I know it's yeah. very yeah. A friendly one <laughs> oh yeah there we go <laughs> not quite but like I mean for for example um I I in a past in a past life I was a tour guide at Belmont Mansion and at the Ryman. I've always loved like historic tours and things like that, partly because I get inspired just learning about other people's lives and being able to kind of snoop on other people's mindsets. I think that's why I like reading so much. I could just sit and read for hours and hours. There's nothing to me more just soul cleansing than just sitting in silence and reading for hours on end. Mystery novels, history, mystery books, history stuff, Sue Grafton books. Um, and theater too. Um, I think anytime I go see, especially, I just really enjoy, I guess, I mean, I like large scale things, but I really enjoy local things, local theater, local artists, local authors. Like, I just think it's, I don't know. I think it's cool seeing people as they're doing something where they, you know, they probably have a day job that takes up a ton of their time but they're still putting this so much effort into making something so cool when you know it'd probably be easier just to say nope whatever I don't have time but I don't know I just find that really inspiring because that applies to me too <laughs> yes yeah yeah seeing artists do things for the right reasons I think is really yeah. like um there's nothing wrong with making money but if that's your goal, then that's like, I, I don't know, that's going to come through in your art. I think yeah. I, I, what I really love is when someone who's just doing it because like they have to, because that's yeah. hard, also gets successful doing that. Like that's the best. Yeah, uh, like, it is. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. There's a, there's a good feeling to it. And even just, I know we said 
other than music, but just going to a concert or some type of live show, just the feeling that you get like hearing live music. It's just, I don't know. It's there's, it just, there's something spiritual about it. It's oh, just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's just a, there's nothing quite like it. And it's just amazing that mm. <laughs> that exists in the world and we get to experience it and make it and be a part of it. Yeah. I, what you said about it being spiritual, like um, I was raised really religiously and I was also homeschooled. So like, wow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So when I turned 18 and moved out, like I didn't know anybody uh, and I just started going to live music and like, it is, it is spiritual. It is yeah. like that, that became church. Like Easter yeah. was the first live show I saw just like oh, uh, wow. some really awesome local bands. And like, I immediately just fell into this scene and I'm like, this is it. Like this yeah. is that. And it's, it, it saved my life. Live music saved my life. Like, oh, I don't yeah. think, I don't think all artists understand how important, like what, what you guys, I don't know if no one's ever told you what you guys do is extremely important. It saves lives. It's, mm, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But, there, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is funny too, because I mean, I, I know myself, there's certain artists who I've gotten to know, like authors even, or musicians who, I meet them and they're so important to me when when I meet them they're just like oh it's they're having a rough time or don't real I don't know it's like it doesn't sink in like no you might not be like touring stadiums but you're so important to me and it helps me through so much and it's just it's it's amazing when it hits me like oh they they don't realize how much of an impact they have yeah yeah I think it's so important not to lose side of that like not to lose the mission you know yeah and especially as like so much of music gets caught up in the production of like content you yeah. know like like the idea that that you have to be a, a musician and you also have to be a content creator or an influencer or something you know just mm-hmm. um you know is is it's just like <clears throat> it's so easy to lose the mission, you know, yeah. it's so easy to just, just think like, you know, you can go to the East room or uh, the spring water or, or some other, or a house show or something. And on any given night, it's a total crapshoot. What kind of show you're going to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might, you might see somebody, it might be their second ever show, you know, and maybe they're not very good. Maybe they're not very good yet. You know, maybe they're working through the kinks of their live show or something, or you might see somebody who's older and they've been playing these types of venues for 20 or 30 years and they're amazing, you know, I mean, but I I love that. And, And I feel like when I go to, you know, a venue that's much bigger than that, like a Live Nation venue or something like that, like, I almost feel like I, I know what I'm going to see to some extent. I, I know. Yeah. Uh, I, they're, they're still good. I mean, there's, it still could be a very, very good show, but you know, um, it, it just, it just feels like, uh, I don't know, like, like the truly interesting musicians are the ones that are playing in these dive bars and these house shows and stuff, you know, the ones that are kind of, that kind of reside in the nooks and crannies of, of society, you know, the, the, the ones that, um, you know, the ones that are a little too offbeat, to uh, be doing TikTok dances, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I love stuff like that. I've seen some of those amazing musicians that way, and I've seen some weird ass shows too. That yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love that too. 
<laughs> we are super blessed to be in a place that has all this talent. Um, like, yes. uh, yeah. You know, so many amazing, talented people. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. It's easy to forget <clears throat> times and take it for granted. I always try to remember, like, this is not normal to drive five minutes any direction and be at this cool local <laughs> <Yeah>. view. <laughs> yeah. Every time I leave Nashville, like, I, I went and visited my sister in New York, and I was like, I want to be home. Like, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is just a different, it's a different vibe. And it's funny how different cities have just their different vibes with the live music scenes. It's mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you from? We're from Cleveland, Tennessee. Outside of Chattanooga, oh. it's like two and a half. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Fayetteville. Um, yes, yeah, so you weren't very far. Yeah, you weren't yeah far. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, we met at Cleveland High School. Yeah. Tennessee. Aww. <laughs> we were we were friend we were friends. We were a married couple in a play, and you can't take it with you. We were yeah. the Kirby's. Our characters hated each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. he has. Um, yeah, we were we were friends, but anytime my character had to faint in one scene, so I would uh, like <laughs> devious me. Yeah. Just like faint <laughs> <laughs> in my general direction. <laughs> yeah, just accidentally. Yeah, that was that was, uh, that was about. Uh, 16 years ago that's crazy yeah Yeah. that time flies that's yeah (laughs) but yeah we both i went school in nashville he went to school in murfreesboro so we kind of and that was where we were wanting both wanting to go anyways so i think it was meant to be (laughs) yeah did you move closer to nashville for music was that intentional basically Yeah. yeah basically i mean i was uh when i graduated mtsu i sort of hopped around odd jobs for a little while um, until I landed a, a semi, semi-permanent semi gig at what was called Measurement Incorporated. I don't even know if they're still around anymore, but uh, but I did that and and that gave me in just enough of a stable enough income to start planning to move to Nashville. And then I, I went there and worked for a company called Service Source, which uh, is not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh that enabled me to move to to Nashville in 2013. So uh, I, I moved there because I had a job. I had a job right in the middle of downtown. Um, but I I got the job so that I could move to Nashville. You know, I didn't move to Nashville because of the job per se. Like my goal all along was to move to Nashville. And even when I was at Murfreesboro, I was spending, uh, when I was at MTSU in Murfreesboro, I was spending most weekends in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so I've been hobnobbing around here <laughs> since 2009. We both have since 2009. <laughs> and um like I said pr- like we said prior to that we were we're from Tennessee. Um yeah. so we're not from too far away but I came up I was in the entertainment industry um program for undergrad at Belmont and then worked in um live event live events and event management for about three and a half years and then I realized I like I I like contracts it sounds boring but I like making sure people don't have to go to court later <laughs> I like yeah. I like knowing the boring things to help make the to help make the artistic stuff happen um, yeah. and I went to law school and so now and then became a lawyer and was going to shows all the time and finally realized my true other calling. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you said that you didn't play drums before Taxiway. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, that is insane. You're playing drums in two bands. I know. How yeah. does that happen? <laughs> that, I guess you're, not, you're not really truly a drummer until you join a second band. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's like, true. It's, like a, it's like a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. And the first, um, yeah, I guess I, at the beginning of February, it'll be two years. So it's just a little bit under two years. And I'd always wanted to play. I mean, I, like I said, I'm obsessed with the White Stripes. Meg White just changed my life growing up. Um, but, and I'd, I'd taken some lessons when I was younger. Like I played a little piano, played a little guitar and I loved it. Nothing ever quite stuck though. Like I always found myself liking the part of making the art happen, but not like on the event business side of it but just hadn't quite found my thing in making music and I mean I always in, I always loved writing wrote some songs and short stories things like that but I'd talked about drumming for a while and then when Taxiway needed a drummer it's like well I'll do it and I did right. and months later we played a show <laughs> and, yeah mm -hmm. it was funny too um at Bowery Vault I think that the that um Bureau and Emily the owners of the Bowery Vault they're such cool people I love them we'd played like one or two shows there and they um Mel from Miss Lonely she and Amy were looking for a drummer and they recommended that wow. so it was really cool and just now they're I guess we started playing together a year ago this month and it's wild they're some of my favorite people in the world now that was the first time I'd seen y'all was at Berkey House the other yeah, day it's not a cool place too I'd never been there it's so to, cool I, yeah, I loved yeah. it yeah, we were we were just talking about that the other day. Berkey House is fucking awesome. It's great, great awesome. Yeah. They're they're so they were so kind. Yeah, That's that was cool so spot. fun. That's a cool spot. Yeah, I went in just not knowing what to expect. I was like, what is this magical land I've walked into? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is it is a pocket dimension when yeah. you enter like the Fey realm. Right, it yeah. really feels like it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I get the same vibe like uh like Muddy Roots or certain like stay there festivals. Yeah, I still need to go to Muddy Roots. I want to so badly. Muddy Roots it was insane, but amazing. Um, it could have been less hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That always would be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But yeah, like like Berkey House is like it, it's its own plane of existence, and it like is, yeah. time yeah. works differently there. I don't know. It's uh, weird. there's magic going on. And Mel, um, who is she? Who's the vocalist and guitarist and songwriter and Miss Lonely? She's one of those magical people. Like we were asking her, "How did you find out about Berkey House?" She said, "I don't really remember. I just got us the show." She just kind of, <laughs> and it, she it writes, finds you. "Yeah, yeah, it was so." Mm -hmm. But she's one of those. She'll write these amazing lyrics, and you'll stop and listen, and just kind of say, "How do you do that?" And Amy's just a brill. She's brilliant on violin. Just mm -hmm. you can give her a track and she'll come up with something amazing to play on it she's played with taxiway um on violin on a few songs and we've never actually rehearsed together she just steps she in there and give her the key yeah or key the songs and she does it i'm i'm sometimes i think how did that how do i between that and like joe and emily and taxiway and you but i can't let your head get too big because <laughs> yeah. i'm like how do get does that balance would be difficult yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> um that i gotta interview her now because that's a that's yeah. a question i take that's a question i take really seriously is how did you come up with that 
Um, yeah. Actually, it's on my list of things I was going to ask you guys. Like, where do you think, uh, where do you think art comes from, and what is process like for writing? Mm, art comes from man. That's that's a great question. Uh, it's I. It's something I've been thinking about a lot, and I don't, I don't have a good answer for it. I mean, Mel, Mel and I have been talking about it a lot. Um, like Mel describes Miss Lonely as conduits where the she says it's like the ideas just that's what yeah. I think is happening that's yeah, for, where I'm at with it yeah and for me with um like for coming up with drum parts and I mean some of the and a lot of it like rather than doing something completely complex sometimes like sometimes that's what's needed but other times I want to do what serves the music I'm not gonna do a crazy drum solo in taxiway because it doesn't serve what we're doing Miss Lonely I'm gonna be a bit crazier but it's funny that's kind of how I work with coming up with drum parts it's kind of just instinctual I can't really even say there's not really a process to it it's just what's in my gut and then I do it and I don't really know where it comes from yeah yes songwriting for me is very like um it's all it's it's very hard to explain how I piece songs together I feel like when I attempt to explain how I piece songs together I sound like I'm insane but <laughs> um but that's not a bad thing my, my songs never practically never my songs practically never begin with a blank page and then I just write and I go in a straight line and at the end of it there's a song mm-hmm. I patch together ideas that I come up with at different times so I have a a, on my notes app on my phone I just have this long list of hooks it's called a hook list and they're they're phrases that just inspire something in me like it could be a song title potentially could be a piece of a lyric it could just be like a visual idea but it's something that inspires me uh in some way and it's called my hook list and I just keep those for years and years and years and probably at least a dozen, maybe even up to 20 of them have become real songs. You know, I mean, I've had this list since probably 2015 oh. and, you know, a deeper shade of blue was once just like a, a, a phrase that I just scribed into my notes, you know, um, 10 miles high was one that I, I scribed into my notes. And by the way, that's actually an obscure Nine Inch Nails B-side called 10 miles high but but they sound absolutely nothing alike (laughs) I think that's (laughs) you know but uh, but no I just have this hook list and you know I I approach uh lyric writing and melodic rhyming or sorry melody writing sorry melody writing and chord progressions as three different disciplines Mm -hmm. you know like like there's a reason why Elton John has Bernie Taupin read his lyrics, you know, and has for his entire career, you know, because Elton John's an amazing melodic writer, but doesn't feel comfortable writing lyrics and Bernie sure. Taupin, you know, and so to try to do all three is kind of, is kind of madness in a way is you have to be kind of an egomaniac to try <laughs> to think you can write all three at once. But, uh, you know, so I don't try to just sit down with an acoustic guitar and say, and now I will write a song, you know, <laughs> I might come up with a, uh, a chorus and I just sit with the chorus for a while like oh that's good that's good cool and I just sit with it you know and I just let the chorus sit there until I figure out what I want the verses to say leading up to the chorus and that might take months to get that done 
you know, or I, the other way around, I might have a really good verse idea, but I have no chorus and I'll just let it be. I'll just, I'll just rough demo it and I'll just let it be until the day that I figure out a good chorus. You know, it might come to me while I'm driving. It might come to me while I'm trying to write something else, you know, um, but my songs are just, they're pieced together from, you know, a lyric from this old song that's like three years old and uh, a melodic phrase from this other new song that's two weeks old. And I just sort of Frankenstein those together until I get uh, a cohesive song that I like. And I would say that's probably 70 or 80% of my songs are written that way. And on a rare occasion, you know, if I'm feeling really inspired, <clears throat> I can sit down and bang out a song for the most part from scratch in 15 or 20 minutes. But I that's very rare. Like normally my songs take months before they're finalized, before I feel good enough to actually commit them to, to, you know, a proper demo and show them to my bandmates, mm. you know? Gotcha. So it's, it's more of like crafting a song than it is like writing a song per se, you know? You're kind of getting little pieces from all sorts of life experiences yeah. and, and ideas, I guess. In the past, what I've done is I've, I've basically forced myself to finish a song and then I hate it. <laughs> Because what I was trying to do was just finish the song. I was trying to just get it done. Yeah. And that doesn't serve the song very well because then I end up with a lyrical phrase that doesn't make sense. Or I end up abandoning my internal rhyme consistency because I just wanted the song to be done, you know? And I I can't do that, you know? I, I, I've done that in the past and I've hated it. The song will tell you when it's done. It's like, that's, yeah, that's very wise to not force that like I've got a list of notes too for like pieces of poems that I'm like that's not finished I don't know what to do with that and then I've, I've merged kind of like what you're saying a little bit like merged two different things I was working on into the I'm like oh actually that works yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. there's it's a something. thing yeah talking about like where it comes from something that's really weird to me is like I'll, I'll write something and then years later be like, oh, I didn't realize I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like I subconsciously did something with this that I didn't realize I had done at the time. Yeah. And yeah. That, gives, that gives me a lot of questions about what we're doing exactly. Yeah, I have I have songs like that where I have no recollection of writing them. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> I hope it was me that wrote them. Maybe it was <laughs> chat GPT, I don't know, but like, you know. <laughs> But, but you know I, I I'm pretty confident that was me that wrote the song but like but you know I have no recollection of how I sat down and wrote these lyrics you know yeah uh, when did I write this verse because you know sometimes I will I'll have like a full verse and that's have two verses but no chorus yeah it drives me nuts you know that was even like I think a few months ago I was looking through some boxes from I found from from 10 years ago or maybe even more and I found these fragments of poems that I'd written and I hadn't really remembered writing them but I read them and realized it brought me back to how I was feeling at that moment I knew what it was about but I just didn't remember writing yeah. it <laughs> yeah I like the I like the sort of idea of thinking of time capsules and stuff that's sort of a time capsule in and of itself yeah I mean, just like if yeah. you we've been talking about this a lot if you've seen the movie Past Lives oh, you know it's, it's such, so a, such a beautiful film it's it's a um it's either Korean or I think it's Korean, right? Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. Korean. Um, but uh, if you know, like the 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 central idea behind it basically is the uh, the person you were is not the person you are, 
And so, you know, it doesn't mean that the person you were wasn't a real and that the feelings and emotions you experienced at the time weren't authentic and sincere because they were, but it's just that you have let go of that person. And in a way, when you, when you find a song or a poem or something that you wrote, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, it's like getting a letter from your past self, yeah. you know, it's like getting a letter from somebody from the past, you know, and it's, it's, it's so, it's just fascinating to think of it, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Life is weird and short and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to have creative, uh, and also like, like aunt, honest but not in like a lying kind of way like honest in the way of like gen genuine it's, it's yeah yeah, yeah it's like, serious yeah there's not room for anything else in your life you know except yeah. genuine people that want to share good vibes <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so much more fulfilling that way it's so much more yeah. fun that way <laughs> yeah, yeah it, there's there's something nice about art that's created because the, the person that created had to create it i think mm. we touched on this earlier in the conversation think, you know they they have to do it yeah i think know? that is the arc of a true artist it's not yeah. optional it's yeah, it's it's compulsive it's uh mandatory it's what's keeping it's an exorcism is what it is you're, yeah. you're getting it out of you mm -hmm. yeah and like art is not easy it's not fun either all the time it can be really hard um, yeah but then like that, that has a value to it too, because like, like someone can hear your song and go, shit, like, I know what that feels like. Yeah. yeah. I'm not it, alone anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it is a challenge. It is a challenge. And I, I slave over lyrics for a long period of time because they, they really do matter to me. You know, lyrics really are important to me. And there's plenty of bands out there that, that I love and adore uh, where lyrics are not quite the central focus of the song, you know, uh, a lot of shoegaze bands are like that, obviously, you know, the lyric is an instrument, yeah. you know, among all the other instruments, and, um, you know, that's, you know, the lyrics are more um, evocative or um, impressionistic, you know, they're not necessarily like narrative uh, per se, um, and I have so much respect for musicians that do that and do that well, um, but I, I definitely consider lyrics to be, uh, a central focus in taxiway songs and, you know, and I, I'm obsessed with internal rhyming too. So I'll come up with an internal rhyme meter and then I, I, you know, I just have to make it work for the whole song. You know, I mean, a deeper shade of blue does that in Valencia, the opening track has an internal rhyme, uh, an internal rhyme meter in the uh in the verses and when i wrote the first the first lyric of that verse that became valencia i was like shit now i gotta make this work now i gotta make this work like three like three more times you know because i gotta write i gotta write a, a verse and a half more to, for this to be a complete song <laughs> but it's such a great internal rhyme scheme i'm like you know it's a challenge it is when you said it's it's a uh, it's it's you know it, it can be a struggle it can be hard it is it really is um but it's it's worth doing you know it is worth putting yourself through it and and putting in the work you know i mean sometimes it is just work like <laughs> sometimes it is just yeah. 
you know, wrestling the ideas out of the ether and and bringing them into fruition. But, you know, for me, if I stumble upon that rhyme rhyme scheme that I like, I'm like, you know, <laughs> well, well, no turn back now, <laughs> you know, wrestling them from the ether. Well said. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so what kind of what kind of music was in the house when you were growing up? Mm, well, my my mom, hard, you know, uh, yeah. So my mom loved uh 90s country music you know so a lot of uh garth brooks a lot of trisha yearwood and brooks and dunn and um you know like martina mcbride and and things like that and those are very lyrical based songs and yeah. you know and and very uh storytelling based song like neon moon for example is a beautiful song it has a great song yeah it is great song um, a good karaoke song. <laughs> it is a great karaoke song. Yeah, yeah, that's one I can do karaoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should go do karaoke sometime. That'd be yes, yes, I love that'd karaoke. Be that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. Get into it. We totally get into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we used to go to Lonnie's all the time. Oh, and you could actually go to Lonnie's. Wait, wait, Printer's Alley is that the one? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I haven't been there in forever. Is it not there anymore? Well, back in it's the day. It was, I think it was down the street. Like it was still yeah, nearby. Yeah, because it's still there, but they've moved it like just outside okay. of there. But like in what, 2009, 2010, we'd go all the time. We could park for five bucks right next to it. And it was right in Printer's Alley. And they would let yeah. us in and they would let you in if you like 18 and up, I think we could still go sing. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you'd get lucky you could park for free. Yeah. Street parking, which is unheard of now. Those but were like, the days. Yeah, but we'd, we'd be in college and we'd go and we'd go do. Uh, karaoke. I think they used to live stream it too on their website. But um, no, yeah. So so my mom always had '90s country playing. My dad was always really into uh, like he was into '50s music. He was into oldies, you know. So he loved Buddy Holly, you know, and uh, you know. But he he would also listen to like like Chuck Berry and stuff like that, you know. Um, but and singer songwriter stuff too. So he was he loved uh, James Taylor and Eric Clapton and um, the Eagles and stuff like that. So you know, so um, I I had a lot of uh, I mean in a way it's kind of traditional boomer music, you know. But uh, but it it was you know it it was it was good music to inspire my songwriting. Yeah, job. I don't think that's a bad foundation at all. No, it's really isn't, you know, and later, you know, you get, you go to college and you meet that one guy who, you know, introduces you to like cocktoo twins or something or, <laughs> or, you know, plan of Zymox or weird eighties industrial music. And, you know, like, uh, oh, cool. You like, you like that here? Check out, you like Nine Inch Nails here? Check out Skinny Puppy or something like that, you know? So I get in, I get into weird shit when I was in college, but I, I definitely liked my, um, you know, I definitely like my Brooks and Dunn <laughs> to this very day. Yeah, I think your parents, I, your parents' taste in music is cooler than most people are. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I was thinking about when I when I talked about how I'm kind of all over the place musically when I think about it, and like, well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, I grew up there was always David Bowie, the Beatles, Paul McCartney live. Um, there was OG Leonard Skinnerd, Collective Soul. There was just um, traditional Irish music, Broadway musicals, rock on and off, just like all over the place. There wasn't any, just one thing. And I think I've carried that over a bit. I used to go over to my 
grandparents' house and they'd always be playing um, Glenn Miller, which I loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but then though, when I got to high school, I would make my grandparents mix CDs and they would actually listen to them. It was very Aww. sweet. Yes. <laughs> Traditional Irish, Irish music is awesome. Right. It's so cool. It just, yeah, it just, it gets you that feel, that feeling of that kind of spiritual feeling. It's yeah. very that was our first international trip yeah yeah our first international trip was in dublin and we got engaged in glasgow and that's yeah yeah i've really wanted to go to ireland for a while like every time i see it i'm like oh my god this is so beautiful you'll you you will love it when you go you're gonna love it it's 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 worth the hype it absolutely loves up to the hype it's 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 an amazing place yeah for sure uh what have you been listening to like last week oh last week um, I mean, so I'm on Spotify, so like I'll, I'll kind of pick and get random little singles. Um, yeah. A little bit of a uh, little bit of Billy Preston. That, that's been what I've been vibing with recently. Uh, I'm always down for some like bluesy kind of stuff. So that's my yeah, yeah. little yeah. myself. Yes, you do. Yeah. What did What did your parents listen to? Oh, um, let's see. Growing up, so my dad was big on the country. Um, I think he basically saw "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou" and <laughs> got super stoked on it. Yeah, oh, that soundtrack. That's, 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 oh, that's a killer soundtrack. <laughs> oh yeah, big time. Yeah. Uh, but then my mom, she was always weird and eclectic. Like she really liked um, what was it? Like uh, like fucking rhythms del mundo and shit like that. Like so we could just be hearing um different sounds from around the world all the time, which was pretty cool. Oh, uh, that's cool. Oh, that's, yeah, that. that that would be really cool. <laughs> so it's yeah. not a bad decision at all. No, go ahead. So switching gears. <laughs> yeah. Segue. Yeah. Um, I used to ask people to have any ghost stories. I do. Not, okay. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say uh, a lot of the time it's not encompassing enough because first of all, you're assuming that ghosts exist when you say mm-hmm. when you ask a question like that right um yeah. so what i really mean when i ask that is have you ever had an experience that you can't really rectify with logic so many please i'll, I'll tell no, i'll go okay nothing go. nothing springs to mind for me i'll go first you can think <laughs> i'll ponder on it I'll yeah okay well um i think i don't have as much of a sense of it as my mom does she's like she can walk into any place and just know if something weird happened there, if there's some kind of energy. When I was a kid, we used to go and tour historic places and she would get so mad at my dad because she would whisper to him, this place is definitely haunted. And he would have to go up to the tour guide and go, excuse me, is this place haunted? Because my wife has this sense. My mom would be going, no, shut up, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, one of my early... Her, um, I was in Vermont. I forget where this covered bridge is. They have all this cool, has cool covered bridges. And there was one that they called Emily's Bridge. The rumor uh, behind it is that I think in the 1800s, this woman was going to go meet up with her um, her boyfriend and go elope, but he didn't show up. And so she um, jumped off the bridge or I think something like that and died there and was haunting the bridge ever since. And people had reported all this activity. So I was, I think I was 12 or 13. I was on one of those trips with my parents where my dad probably said, excuse me, is this place haunted? And um, we were taking pictures at the bridge and went to take another one. And my mom said, well, let's get one of just Emily since it's Emily's bridge. 
mean, we took the photo. We've got it somewhere. I wish I had it on my phone. It's a printed out picture somewhere at my parents' house, but there was this white blur around me after we took the photo. Oh. <laughs> yeah, very kind of gave me chills. I got out of there fast, but it's kind of cool. I mean, we did invite Emily to take a picture with Emily. If you ever find it, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll find it. I'll send it to you because I know they've got it somewhere. I want to, I need a digital copy of it anyways. Mm -hmm. And then um, another trip with them as well. I, I grew up just obsessed with, did you all ever see like the travel channel haunted places shows, not even the ghost hunter shows. It was almost the more historic ones and everything. (laughs) I was obsessed with those. And so um, there was, um, it's Hasita Head Lighthouse um, that we went to and they've got it where you can stay in the, it's a bed and breakfast now in the old lighthouse keeper's corner or or, uh, lighthouse keeper's quarters. And I remember when I was maybe 10, I watched a travel channel episode on this lighthouse and about how a ghost of a lighthouse keeper's wife was haunting the place after one of her children died there. And all the, a lot of the activity was centered in the attic. And so I forgot the name of the lighthouse. We went on this trip and we stayed at the lighthouse keeper's quarters. I found out afterwards it was the lighthouse that gave me nightmares. And apparently at our room, we opened a hatch in the closet and it led up to the haunted attic. So I was pretty horrified. But apparently the energy there, the spirits there, the energy or whatever, didn't like it when people were doing work on the building. And so anytime they did some type of maintenance work, something would happen. The day that we got there, they were painting the outside of it. That night at 2 a.m., the fire alarm went off for no reason. (laughs) They could never figure out what happened. So Yeah. yeah. And then let's see, one of my first jobs, I was a tour guide at Belmont Mansion. And I, don't, I never saw anything, but I've never felt such a strong sense of being watched. Yeah. It was always at the end of a shift, um, I would have to go upstairs and turn off the main lights and turn on some of the smaller lights. It was in those upstairs bedrooms. Whenever I was doing that, it's hard to explain, but just somebody was watching me like a hawk. I just, I could feel eyes on me and it didn't feel like a negative, whatever it was. It felt more like somebody or something really cared about the house and they were guarding it it was more like they were a protective feeling so i would always kind of just mutter i'm here to keep things nice i'm not here to break anything and then it would be fine once i said that out loud but i don't know i've never had a feeling like that quite like that before but something was watching me (laughs) yeah 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 whenever i feel like something coming on it's like it's it's a it's it is actually a sixth sense. So you can't actually explain it with any of the five senses. Yeah. But it's, it's like this like profound quiet. And it's usually for me, it'll start like in the corner of a room or something. Um, and it's like it is so still and quiet and cold and just absent that it has a presence to it. That's how this that's how this felt too. That's how I always felt there. It's yeah. Another one like that. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think that the closest that I've ever come to experiencing something along those lines is when we were in Key West and we saw Robert the Doll. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if anyone's familiar with Robert the Doll, but I um, 
you just have to look up the history behind it. And for anybody that's listening to this, that's family, I apologize in advance, but fuck that. It's okay. No one watches this. So. <laughs> no, no, Robert, we respect you. We respect you. See, we, so. we, we made a donation because they have a donation bin there for yeah. Robert. And I was, we were very respectful. I didn't take any photos, but Mike did ask permission before taking photos. Then later I found money on the ground and I kept finding money throughout the day. So I feel like Robert maybe left us. Whoa. So just Google, I don't want to mess with Robert. Just Google <laughs> Robert the doll. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And um, like, and of all the little knickknacks that are there, uh, that are that are there where he, he's in his display case, uh one of them that's like right next to him is a, a, a hand-signed letter from George W. Bush. <laughs> was that giving you the vibes? Things, no, that was, not, that was definitely not giving me vibes. That's the most haunted artifact there yeah. is. Yeah. Right. You, know, you know, yeah. I mean, so, but, but it, that was just the most random thing. But, uh, but we, we, we visited where he's, uh, it's displayed his home. it's his home <laughs> and it's in key west florida and we were the only ones in the room we were the only ones we felt like we were the only ones there but we were the only uh, we we're the only living beings there let's put it that way but you know and it was it also was like 100 degrees i mean it was so hot and so muggy and so the air was just like thick you know but we just going we're going through this this you know, it's not even really a house. It's just like a fortress, like an old fortress. And he's in this encasing. And I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, no, no, mm -mm, mm -mm, <laughs> no, I don't like this. Just, just look him up sometimes. Just Google Robert the doll. And, oh, I'm definitely uh, going to. That's <laughs> awesome. You'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. It's also on the Travel Channel haunted shows I watched as a child. And so I felt like I was meeting a celebrity. It was a <laughs> mm. Yeah. It was a big deal. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Did you have another story, Emily? Oh yeah, um, there was one time a few years back. I took a trip to Savannah, Georgia. That place has some vibes. The whole city kind of does. I loved it there. But um, I met up with a group of friends, and we stayed and we got this um, rented this Airbnb. It was in a old house. I would guess from the late eighteen hundreds, and it was divided up into apartments. And um, our apartment in there was two stories and during the day it was gorgeous it was a gorgeous place it had plenty of room but you walked in and there was a, a what used to be the old front door we could get out and then there was a back door we came in there was a living room kitchen bathroom bedrooms are upstairs and then there was this old entrance entryway kind of hallway by the old front door at night, I don't know what it was, but I remember I was just so freaked out. I had this feeling something bad had happened in that entryway. And it was just some something, some kind of, I don't know if it was bad energy or what, but something was there or had been there. I didn't say anything to my friends about it at the time. I didn't want to scare them. I did not walk down to the bathroom at night. I was not <laughs> leaving my bed. Um, but then after the trip, somehow it came up organically. We'd all felt creeped out about that particular spot in the place and nobody wanted to say it to freak out the others. It was just very weird how we were all feeling it. <laughs> yeah. But it was just something was something bad was there or something bad had happened there. Oh, as we say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really particularly care to get to know whatever it was. <laughs> I never had anything weird happen to me as a kid, but like 
after I um, like left the religious cult that I was in and was out on my own, I was like like obnoxiously atheist, like <laughs> like annoyingly atheist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like confrontationally atheist. And um, the trajectory though, where it's like yeah. reverse and then. <laughs> yeah. I understand now that these things are like a pendulum. If you swing one way, yeah, yeah. Swing hard the other way. Yeah. And, um, I, um, the girl I was dating at the time bought a Ouija board, and I was like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." Shits and giggles. I don't I don't believe in this shit. And um, like I've I've told this story before on the show, so I won't get into it too much. But uh, I never experienced anything strange until I, till I went looking for it, like tried it and stuff. Uh, and that really opened up my mind. Um, I'm like, oh, and now, now I have like a healthy respect for scripture for the first time in my life. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, this isn't nonsense. The problem is that people don't understand it. Right. And there's so much that like, no, yeah. but like we're all just human. There's so much that we can't understand. And I feel like we maybe couldn't even comprehend yeah. at this stage, you know? It's, it's so insane. Like, um, like he, especially Hebrew, like the old Testament is so incredibly complex and yeah. beautiful. And so much of it is lost. Like fundamentalism I know a lot about religious history, especially Christianity, and like fundamentalism has existed for like 500 years. Uh, yeah. People knew these things were metaphor, and it, I feel like it actually takes away from the message to interpret it literally. Um, I do, I do too. There's so much that, and I think that people, because I, I mean, I grew up and still consider myself a you know, Christian, United Methodist, not in the schism, the one where the, I'm the Methodist that's, that the pro LGBT. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm know. in that one. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's been sad to see though, that whole split with the Methodists, but I'm what is uh, Methodist doctrine, like not getting into like political stuff, but like just what they believe about scripture. Do they believe in hell, for example? You know, it's tricky. That's how I grew up. I mean, I think yes to a degree, but it's not like hellfire and brimstone. And to be honest, I don't. It's separation I, from God, is it? Yeah, separation from God. And I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't know if I necessarily think. I don't. It's one where, like, I, I'm. I'm a Christian, but I don't necessarily think. I don't think that other religious beliefs are wrong either. To me, it's all people. It's all the same thing. They're all yeah, saying the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, when I talk yeah. to my friends in other religions and things, I love talking to people about the similarities in different religions and just, yeah. and to me, it's like, ultimately, like, to me, I know what feels right for me to believe and some of the values I get, the values I get from that are important to me, but I feel like it a lot depends on, like, how you grew up, what culture you grew up in. It just feels wrong for me to say, oh, because you grew up where this was the dominant way of thinking, you're absolutely wrong and I'm absolutely right. I think there's, people are, there's, I don't know, it's just such a I, I big do, world. There is, there is like a hierarchy to beliefs. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, not every idea is equal, right? Right, like, right. 
like murder is not as good as non-murder for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do discriminate with beliefs and yeah. like, like that's a bad idea. Let's not fucking do that. Uh, but but yeah, no, like every it, you're absolutely right, Emily. And every religion is saying the same thing, but it, this is the Tower of Babel where they're building a tower to heaven and God divides all their languages. So now it's like, they're all speaking, even though we're both speaking English, we're speaking different languages. Yes. We're saying the same thing, but we don't understand each other because we have the context of this is Buddhism. This is Islam. This is Christianity. But it's yeah. like, they're all saying the same thing. And they, they all, yeah, and you find that all major religions have some have some variation of the golden rule mm-hmm. you know have some variation of like do unto others as you would have them do unto you and mm-hmm. it's whether it's islam or whether it's you know judaism or whether it's you know hinduism you know they all have some kind of this some kind of idea of like cyclical energy that's been mm-hmm. you know repackaged or repurposed or misinterpreted or maybe deliberately mistranslated that, that one yeah that's happened so much (laughs) yeah by some like you know uh bronze age authoritarian government or something you know um so yeah but and yeah and it's yeah it's it's funny too because i mean i don't know to me i'm i've almost the older i've gotten to the more content i am with just accepting the fact i don't know everything no but no person does and i think that's okay like i yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I I can subscribe to the beliefs that I have found to be right for me and try to live in the way, you know, live in the best way to try to make the world a better place while I'm here. And then ultimately, I don't know, I think that a lot of it comes down to intention. I'm trying to do right by people in the world. And at the end of the day, if I'm if I'm wrong on some stuff. I've done my best, you know, <laughs> and, and I think everybody, I don't know, everybody does that in their own way. And it's kind of informed by their culture and their backgrounds. I mean, I don't know, there's just so many different types of people out there. It just doesn't make sense to me to say that, well, I know everything. I don't know. I shit. think that's <laughs> the first step to enlightenment is I, yeah. the first step to understanding is that I don't understand and I'm a child and I'll continue to learn until the day I die is yeah. the first step to growth and enlightenment yeah and to, and i think to me like i'm like to me the my like god or higher the higher power whatever you want to call it to me i think I, I don't know i just really feel like the intention is what matters and if you're doing what i don't know if you think that you're doing good and trying to serve people in the best way to me that's what's important mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I growing up in a religious cult really gives me insight that like everything is a religious cult. Yeah, uh, there's like, so many. Politics, yeah. politics yeah. are religious cults. Um, yeah, I worship this party and everything that yeah. this this doctrine is my religion, and that's true of all of it. Of, it's scary uh, when you, it, it's kind of scary yeah. how very like and people get so intrinsically tied to things where it's so hard to say oh well this person is wrong but it's tied to an in- intrinsic part of themselves almost and it, it's like it physically hurts them to say I, I, <laughs> yeah i have a lot to say about that i think um people in general are like like we see this in like the um 
like animal kingdom, like primates exhibit this behavior too. Yeah. We're all very servile. Like we serve a greater thing. Hmm. Um, yeah. you know, and like with chimps, it's like, here's the alpha chimp, right? And it's like, he's in charge and we need this structure. There's something about us that needs this structure. So it's like, religion is actually like, it uh, in concept is like a really beautiful thing because it's like, hey, wait a minute. Instead of worship being a monarch, what if we worship an ideal, a conceptualized mm -hmm. ideal, and we serve that instead of serving each other, instead of having this hierarchy among men? And it's like, um, but this this can easily be hijacked too. You okay. can take that religion and do something dark with it. Um, but yeah, I think it, what you're talking about, about how... Um, they get attacked whenever you talk about it. it's because they identify as a Christian, as a Democrat, as a Muslim, as a Republican. And it's like, no, you're a human being. You're not yeah. those things. And uh, I think that there's so many, there's so many, when you really boil down to it, there's so many, like, I don't know. Every category has so many subcategories. We're all we're all individuals with so many different life experiences yeah. leading us to what we're doing. It's yeah, nobody. There's I don't know to say that there's one exact right way to go about looking at things. I mean, other than certain things like let's not let's not stab each other. That's not good. But yeah. um, <laughs> anti stabbing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. seems so short sighted to me. I think because because I think that everyone has to serve something, it's kind of like whether you serve a God or not, you are going to to serve a God, whether mm -hmm. it's money, it, it'll be something. So it's it's all about picking the right one, I think. Um, yeah. For me, it's I got, uh, yeah. yeah. I've got phone stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like when I tell people that I worship Lucifer or Prometheus, what I'm trying to say is that I worship this exchange of knowledge, especially if it's hidden knowledge. It's things that aren't supposed to be for people. It's like uh, giving that to people um, is, I have, I have my own like holy trinity where it's like you have the teacher, the student and the knowledge itself. And yeah. you can't have, it, all three have to be there in order for this process. And I, I do worship that concept of, um, I think not, I'm an absolutist about this also. Um, mm -hmm. I think people deserve to know things um, and it's, it is immoral, unethical to withhold knowledge from anyone for any reason. Um, yeah. now, you can take like a governmental, like parental approach to this and say, okay, well, people can't know how to do this because they'll hurt themselves with it or they'll hurt others with it. The problem with that is you're also a flawed human so it's like you're not in that position to tell someone so it's like it, even if that's true even if they are going to go kill themselves or kill other people with it you're not really in a position like that's just how it is you're not in a position to gatekeep that that is the that is a, a thing that stresses me out about humans even the people in you know the highest decision decision making making positions um we're all human nobody really fully knows what they're doing like I became a lawyer because I wanted to be the person who could help people that and know the absolutes but I'm realizing more and more there's always a well it depends in situations and yeah. nobody I don't know all adults 
aren't really fully adults in their minds. I think everybody's still trying to figure it out no matter how hard they pretend otherwise. Yeah. The reason I'm so adamant about this is I'm also a humanist. I think people are good. Ultimately, I have a lot of faith in humanity. Um, I think the situations we're in create toxic people, toxic personalities, um, but they're not innately like that, I think. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. I would agree. It's all environmental. So I think if you can educate people and like show them compassion that they will make ultimate, I mean, nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, <laughs> maybe good. times out of 10, they're going <laughs> to do the right thing. Um, and then everyone who does a bad thing, it's either out of desperation or there's, it's not because they're bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's, there's always more to it than, oh, this person is just bad. There's, there's, there's always more backstory to it. There's so much nuance there, I think. Yeah, yeah I think, it's, um, I think uh, a, a lot of this is exacerbated. When I say this, I mean like uh, division, polarization, whatever is exacerbated by the way that social media is set up mm -hmm. in a way, you know, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, because, um, you know, all like every major social media company is a for-profit corporation and a for-profit corporation makes money by withholding your attention and selling you advertisements. That's what makes it a, uh, you know, a marketable platform if, if it can do that. And there is nothing that holds onto your attention like fear and anger, mm -hmm. much more so than invoking happiness or, uh, you know, even like sadness. You mm -hmm. know? There's nothing that holds your attention better than fear. Mm -hmm. Like the way that Facebook and Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now, or uh, <laughs> you know, any of these social media platforms work, yeah. it's not fundamentally any different than the way that, you know, a cable news outlet works, you know, which is, uh, you know, keep you enraged, keep you angry, keep you feeling uh, attacked and isolated alone. And then in between that, sell you a boner pill, you know, or, or sell you like, uh, you know, uh, a timeshare or a gold bar or some shit, you know, I mean, and, um, you know, yeah. So I think something that's really gotten, you know, that's gotten really worse. I've noticed as we get further and further into the the social media age, is that in general, I think people have too many opinions, <laughs> and you know, I think you should have fewer opinions. Which is either a quote from Marcus Aurelius or or Seneca. It's one of the Stoics. You should have fewer opinions. You should keep an open mind. Um, uh, but I think also people have been rewarded for giving into their worst impulses yeah. and we're really, we're really bad nowadays at resisting our worst impulses. Yeah. And I think this is bad across the board, but it's, it's definitely the, it, it is by far and away my biggest gripe with like MAGA and with Trumpism and things like that in particular, specifically. Um, it's, it's, this, it's this idea that it's okay to be xenophobic or transphobic or racist, you know? And, and 
that no, it's actually cool. It's actually edgy. It's actually like fun. You know, you're sticking it like you're an outsider. You're like the new South Park or something, sticking it to your parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's not. It isn't. And maybe you maybe you get like a rush from it or an exhilaration from it, but it's not okay. And it's dangerous. And you can't, you cannot, you cannot give into it, man. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, uh, it's sort of like the, the, the Joker in the dark night, you know, the Joker represents in that movie extremism, you know, and Batman and Harvey Dent are two sides of the same coin that are trying to uphold, you know, order and liberalism and, and law and, uh, and, and trying to maintain people's faith in the system. And the more and more chaotic things get, the more people like turn to the Joker and say like, well, hey, I'm with him, you know? And it's like, you know, as, as he says towards the end of the movie, the Joker cannot win, you know? And, and you know, it, it, it's yeah, it's cool to quote the Joker. Sometimes we, we watch the Joker and we go, God, I love that guy. He's fucking insane. Like, you know, he just does what he wants, but you can't give into it, man. You cannot give into it it's it's dangerous and it's it's you know you know law and order and democracy it's frustrating and it's you know at times it's just infuriating and you know you have to you know you have to have conversations with people that you can never even imagine yourself agreeing with but you know it's so much better than anarchy and it's so much better than fascism you know this is your Michael, you're touching on something that's like really personal to me. I am an extremist on a lot of things. And mm-hmm. it is it is hard. It is hard to fight that. Because uh, you again, like you said, you watch Joker in either Joker or Dark Knight, and you're like, this guy gets it. This yeah. guy, he's pointing out the problem. But yeah. like, okay, like literally last month for the book club, we did the Unabomber manifesto. Oh, oh wow. yeah, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, this dude is. Oh, this makes sense. <laughs> it fucking makes sense. He's talking about a lot of serious, but then you look at who he was. Yeah, and it's yeah. like I can't, I can't. I might as well throw this out now. You know? Yeah. Like, no, yeah, and there's like there's so many things like that, like Scum Manifesto, Valerie Solanas, who shot Andy Warhol. There's some times where I'm like, oh, men are, men are out to get us. But I'm like, oh no, she was horrible. Nope, nope, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I don't want you to die. No, thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, nope, we don't, nope. It's <laughs> like, it, it, is, it is like that. It really, and, and like, uh, and that's the thing, that's the thing too about like, you know, certain things that the Unabomber said and certain things that the Joker points out, you know, and there's concept and execution, right? <laughs> things that donald trump has said you know like he's he's not he's not wrong there has to be a grain of truth in these things in order for people to follow it Um, you know it's like you know when he he said that shit about like i know about like uh um whatever like the the wealthy like the establishment in, in washington is not looking out for you they're looking out for their their own pockets they're looking out for their shareholders like that's not wrong like it's not wrong you're saying that, you know but you know but um you know you, you can't like yeah you just it is it's so frustrating to try to make you know democracy and law and order and things work especially in chaotic times especially in polarizing times but you know it's it doesn't mean that the the underlying uh feeling of disenfranchisement is 
is invalid mm -hmm. or wrong, or that if you feel like the established order uh, not only doesn't, never mind, doesn't care about you, scoffs at you, yeah. and 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 uh, is is exploiting you and exploiting mm -hmm. your labor and exploiting your your resentment and your anger for their own benefit. That is all true. That is absolutely yeah. all. You know, it totally. is. Yeah, it is amazing though how in execution of realizing those ideas, I think some people take it to a degree where they give even less of a shit about other people. And it's, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. you're absolutely right. Um, I've not even that long ago, like been at some really low lows of uh, like seriously considering doing things that would get me put in jail or killed and um, like taking steps, take like seriously considering it. And quite honestly, the only thing that stopped me from that is understanding that it wouldn't get anything accomplished. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's I like people close to me telling me like, "Hey, you're just gonna throw your life away." Um, uh -huh. So this is uh, quite like as much as it's frustrating to me. This is the extent of what I can do is have conversations with people. Yeah. Wow. And it's so frustrating because it, it takes so much time. You're not going to get on the same page with everybody, but it's, you know, it's, yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of reckoning with that the past few years, I think too. And just realizing at a certain point, like there's a lot that I can't control. All I can yeah. do is my best here, but there's a lot that we just can't control. But I think taking little steps at a time, enough people doing it, it makes a difference, but it's just the yeah. progress is so slow it can get kind of hard to see sometimes that it can be effective mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's yeah like you have to I think a lot of people from my generation are not arguing in good faith like mm -hmm. not listening to the other argument not it's probably not just my generation but just people are doing this um it does seem to be and it, i think it's ample social media definitely amplifies yeah. people get in their silos of like, different ways of thinking rather than yeah. <laughs> listening to other like if we wanted to focus on it we could find areas of disagreement maybe like okay. some really serious ones that like we disagree very strongly about but mm -hmm. like and you know like and and we could i i feel like we could still even if we did go down that route and had that conversation we could still be friends we could still yeah. And even if we don't come to a conclusion, it's like, so I, I think people are arguing bad faith. Um, when I have a conversation with someone, my goal is not to get them to come to my side of the argument. My goal is to be understood for you to understand what I'm saying and for me to understand what you are saying. And yeah. if you don't come to an agreement, at least we understand what each other is saying mm -hmm. and where we're coming from. And that's, that should be the only goal of any conversation. It shouldn't yeah. be it. I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like uh, you know, people people yell and and resort to uh, extremism and things like that when they feel like they they aren't being heard it's when they feel like yeah. understood. And you know, in, in an, in an environment where your opinion has to be 180 characters, you know, <laughs> in a, in a or, you know, or it has to be distilled to like a, a, a 15 second TikTok or else people will swipe <laughs> away from it, you know, 
so much of the nuance just gets lost. And, and when there's so many voices competing for the same attention span, uh, it's the, it's the outrage and the, um, the over the topness that gets amplified and that gets noticed. And, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> um, our cat is wandering. <laughs> he, can't, he can't find a comfortable position. <laughs> I know, I know, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, people, you know, I, I think in general people, um, you know, they, they were resort to, uh, you know, ex extreme tribalism or yeah, extremism, things like that, because they feel like they've exhausted all of their energy trying to be civil and trying to be heard. And it it's just falling on deaf ears and nothing changes. Their situation doesn't change. Their mental state doesn't change, um, you know, and, and, and nothing seems and nothing changes nothing works nothing seems to work you know and to try to sell people on the idea of hang in there keep trying it is it's a tough sell it's a really tough sell for sure yeah you know, it is and um but you know as as i kind of alluded to <coughs> as, you know as batman says at the end <laughs> the, the joker cannot win you know and um and you know, a, a lot of things, a, a lot of, there's been a lot of corpses that have been created because of people who turn to uh, fanatical strongmen throughout history, mm -hmm. thinking that they'll change their situation, you know, whether they're, yeah. just, whether they change it through fascism or whether they change it through Marxism or or whatever, you know, like, this this person will change my situation and it's you know we have a we have a, a storied history of proving that that not only doesn't work but that it ends very very badly yeah it is it is a tough sell like speaking personally i have zero faith in the system um i would have gotten into law or politics if i thought i mean like what like um there are some very important parts to law but, <laughs> thank you but, yeah. but like uh like I don't think serious change can be made this way just to be honest like I don't I don't think I think there are a lot of really good intentioned people that um don't don't aren't able to make the changes they want because the system is so corrupt um I yeah and I I think that it's it's not easy and it just happens at completely a snail's pace. I think it's possible, but it's but it's almost as if sometimes it feels as if we take a step forward, two steps back. It's very uh, it's it definitely creeps along. I still believe it's possible. I mean, I think it gets down to I agree. I think that ultimately the majority of people there's goodness in there. I believe in that yeah. winning overall in the end, but I think the path to get there is just <laughs> I don't see a lot of good options to be honest like mm -hmm. I that's what makes Joker so appealing because it's like yeah. I like we we know lobbying exists like that's not this isn't a conspiracy theory government is yeah. corrupt. we all know that like yeah. every American knows that oh and yeah yeah so it's, it's one of the few things we can all agree on right <laughs> yeah is that it's it's fucking shit show government, yeah. oh no oh, right. government's corrupt yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
You know, there are two people that are yelling at each other in a debate like, hey, excuse me, excuse me. Is the government corrupt? And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's serious. We'll go get a drink and talk about how corrupt the government is. Yeah. Or, or hot dog sandwiches, you know? I do, I do think, though, that... Issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do, yeah, I think... I don't know. I think if you look back in history and even at now, I don't think that there's ever been a time where everything was completely on the up and up or the way it should be. I think there's always going to be the people with the bad intentions holding things back. I think, but I think that that doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to always win, but I think it's, it's a constant push and pull. And I think it always has been, not that I was there unless I'm on. I think there's there's scenarios in which violent revolution is uh, inevitable and it's only obstacle. Yeah, I saw that. I think there are situations in which that's inevitable, but I also think that we have a real tendency to romanticize violent revolutions of the past. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like like, you know, the French Revolution took all of, you know, a year before the you know the the jacobins were be- beheading them each other yeah. beheading each other mm-hmm. and then you know and uh and napoleon wound up being you know emperor anyway yeah you when know? it gets to the point where they're guillotining the nuns it's like what, yeah. what, does, yeah. what does this have to do with you anything? Know, like there's you know we, we yeah. tend to we tend to really like romanticize the image of like liberty leading the people and stuff like yeah that stuff. and then but, but then when you look at the start of it they had they had reason oh, they, to they were, they like they absolutely grain, you know yeah but then the outcome it's yeah the outcome it's like who was this ultimately serving it's yeah but that's and that's, that's sort of and just I'm sticking with the French Revolution exactly. <laughs> it's where it's what it's where like all modern politics like we get the phrase left wing and right wing from the uh, from the post French Revolution France you know like from the way that the revolutionaries were seated on the left and the monarchists were seated on the right you know so like yeah you know but uh, the the circumstances leading up to the the French Revolution I mean they were they were literally starving, literally starving. I mean, I mean, you couldn't go to a Publix or a Whole Foods or something and buy fresh produce or something. I mean, the grain was being hoarded by, you know, by uh, monarchy. And that's the situation in which you have no choice but to storm the Bastille and take all the guns and, you know, you know, and roll some heads, you know, that's the situation. And yeah we're you know i'm i'm extremely frustrated with this stupid election year that we're about to get into again yeah it's gonna be hey the memes are gonna be great i know the memes (laughs) the memes are gonna be amazing i can't wait for the memes you know but at what cost (laughs) my friend says says often that you know he's like this is the silliest time to be alive and i'm like well that makes me feel better about it uh, this is, this is a silly little time. I can go, I can go to the grocery store and I can still buy my avocados <laughs> in, in February in Tennessee. Yeah, we can make is, our avocado toast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really, that's a little concerning. <laughs> that It's a little weird that I can buy avocados in Tennessee in February. That, that's, that cannot be sustainable, but, <laughs> but regardless, I can, I, you know, there's no, there's not a, well, I shouldn't say there's no food shortage. There's no food shortage for me personally. So, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's a whole nother. <laughs> there's food shortages for a lot of other people, but yeah. it all that matters is how I personally. <laughs> this is the best time for quality of life in human history. And uh, I think that can be a very, uh, that, that can be a trap of its own. We get yeah, complacent no, because, because yeah. things are so nice. Yeah, complacency. And when you think about the work that did go into getting certain things we take for granted now, I mean, nobody likes the 40 hour work week, but that was a big thing to get that down from what it was. You know, when you think about all the things like that, that we just kind of take for granted. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. No, this was really fought for. <laughs> we have it better than anyone in ever, any, ever in any time. Um, and you know, there are still problems, but there's a lot, there's a lot to be grateful for. Like, I do look back sometimes on childhood illnesses I had and think, wow, what age would I have died at? And yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. This is, um, uh, this is, I gotta be careful because this could very quickly become like a eugenics thing. And I don't mean <laughs> oh, for no. it to, and I don't mean for it to at all, but okay. like, all right. I, my eyesight sucks. Like if I was born like a thousand years ago, like I would have just died. Which too, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not wearing contacts, so I would be out there. Well, no, I'd be dead from strep though. So but, you know, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess we'd all be losers here. Right. Yeah. 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 We'd, we'd all be the losers. Yeah. Here. I, I have horrible eyesight too, by the way. I, I work, yeah. I work on yeah. We're not doing a lot of hunting and gathering. That's not happening. Yeah. No, <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> At least not out competing the other chimps. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did get in a fight with an ape, um, uh, one of the apes of Gibraltar once, but that's a whole nother story. What? <laughs> oh yeah. They... You got in a fight with a monkey? Oh yeah. Well, it was it kind of it was a one sided fight. I was. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I was standing there, and there was one of the apes of Gibraltar was like sitting on some kind of stone formation and just jumped on my shoulder. I don't think I've ever screamed so loud. <laughs> and it jumped off me. There were paw prints all over me and it just gave me the most hurt look. Like, man, I thought we were cool. What the, what we the hell? Pros. Yeah. We were it just wanted to hang they out wanted with to me. sell you a timeshare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've been trying to contact me about my car's warranty for years. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah, well, this has been fun, but we're going on like two hours, so. Are you serious? It doesn't even feel yeah. like that long. I know, I know. We could do this for hours. We're going to have to do this again sometime. Yeah, uh, we need to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> y'all are uh, welcome at my table anytime. I, thank, I, you. thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for having uh, this conversation. Um, I think, not to like toot my own horn or brag, but like, I think these kind of conversations are important. Um, I don't yeah. think, they have, I think they're rare. I don't think they happen often enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, just, yeah. yeah. I really I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you do. Um and I look forward to seeing uh what you do in the future and catching you at your next shows. Speaking of which, um 27, which is probably the day this is coming out, but uh 27, you can catch Miss Lonely where? Hilton Hardware. Really cool. I love it over there too. I hadn't been till a few months ago. It's a really cool spot. They just kind of redid the stage and it sounds really great. <laughs> Is that in Nashville? That's out in um just past Nashville, out in Jolton. Yeah. Like really, it's like oh. 25 minutes, I think, from yeah, center town. Right on. I'll try to make it up to that. And then yeah. I'll definitely be at y'all's show on the 25th. 
Yeah, February 25th. I'm excited. We're excited for that one. That'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we really appreciate your support and uh, appreciate the opportunity to have the dialogue and the conversation. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we really do. We I mean, we uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a stock thing to say, but I mean, you know, we rely on the support from people who come to our shows like you do and invite us to their platform, you know, to, to do interviews or free, free flowing conversations. I mean, we rely on that to get the word out on who Taxiway is. And so, you know, um, would love to, to do it again, love to have another, another dialogue or conversation like this. And, uh, you know, yeah, if, uh, you know, I would just say just as a closing thought too, if you ever find yourself having those types of thoughts, like you alluded to earlier, those like, um, those, those dark thoughts, shall we say, you can, you can hit me up anytime and cool. I'll, 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 I will, yeah. I'll let you and, and pl please do that before, before resorting to anything that you would, that you would regret for sure. But, you know, hit me up anytime. I, man, I actually really appreciate you saying that. Um, I think about this stuff all the time i can't turn it off and it really helps having people i can can talk to so yeah. um so you might regret giving me that invitation <laughs> i will take you up on it uh i've got your number now you can't take it back <laughs> take backsies no take backsies yeah right um, alice check out taxiway link below check out miss lonely too they're awesome and um yeah we'll see you next week Bye, Alice. Bye, Alice. <laughs>